Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Off-season episode number 70 minus 1. It's Thursday, July the 14th, tomorrow, mid-month. I know there's 31 days, but whatever. You guys you guys catch the uh, the rounding, rounding. Two more weeks in July, and then we're into August, and that is officially ramp-up time. August and September, that's season prep, right around the damn corner. In fact, in fact, season starts October 18th, so our next show, not tomorrow, uh, tomorrow being Friday, of course, Monday, be exactly... Three months from the start of the NBA season. Exactly three months. And right now we're farther than three months from the end of the last in-season stuff. Although, you know, as I said earlier in this week, we're in a little bit of a kind of like this dog days period because I don't really pay attention to Summer League. It's only going to create weird bubbles of, of hype. Which I think segues well into what we were talking about on yesterday's show, which is the hype zone. Hype land? What did I call it? I already forget. Hype land. Called it hype land yesterday. 25 to 40. That's hype land right now. And I think that probably repeats itself. Based on some of the early reactions, at least, to some rookies, other stuff going on in Summer League. In any event, welcome to the show. Thanks again for listening, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Sportsethos.com, the website. Hey, interesting news on the sports ethos front. We will have our first official NFL premium offering on July 25th, just 11 days from today, Monday, July 25th. The Fantasy Pass will include NFL draft prep material, which, come on, I mean, this is exciting stuff. Uh, NFL is positional tier ranking, so it's about a, it's like a top 170 quarterback's Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, positional ranks of all that stuff. Offensive line rankings, depth charts, in-depth depth charts. Red flag guys, so the avoids, the where the consensus is wrong guys. And of course, sleepers. So six very important items getting added to the fantasy pass. We call it the NFL fantasy pass if you so desire. On Monday, July the 25th, I'll be reminding you guys of that every single day. It's a reason to jump on the Fantasy Pass a little earlier this year because about one month after that, I think four weeks after that, the basketball draft guide will be coming out. So you just hop on four weeks earlier than you normally would and you can do you can get Sports Ethos's inaugural NFL offering, which if we've won you a bunch of money on the basketball side, just saying... Fantasy Pass is $5.99 a month. It's worth it the extra month. Go win football and basketball this year. So yesterday, and all week actually, and then even into last Friday, we've been talking about the ADP to result comparison. Where guys were drafted, consensus zone where players were drafted versus how they finished, and then really how we got to that point. 
Yesterday, we incorporated picks 31 through 40, or ADPs in that range. And what we kind of found out, which, and again, we'll, we'll explore a little bit farther today and, and determine if Hypeland extends any farther, but right around pick 25, give or take, folks became more willing, so early third round, to take shots on guys. Not necessarily because like that there was anything completely wrong with it, but we were able to really home in on the dudes in that range that were success stories. Meaning after, remember, just a quick recap here, Jokic, obviously, he's in his own zone. The next group, which was kind of 2 through 10, roughly, again, this is all approximate, guys that had number two potential. The next grouping, which is sort of 11 through 24, 25 range, guys that had either first, mid-first potential with a bunch of red flags or hyper-durable with pretty good per-game stuff. That ran from Anthony Davis to about Devin Booker. And the next group, which, again, there was a relatively clear line minus Chris Paul in this next group where you're like, Okay, now we're hunting guys that we think can be a second rounder per game. I don't know that anyone in this group, with perhaps, again, the exception of LaMelo Ball, but even that was a huge stretch. I don't think anyone in this next group, the 15 or the 25 through 40 range that we covered, we sort of able to lump them together yesterday. There really weren't guys in there where you looked at him and said, okay, this could be a first rounder. They weren't. The best, the best chance, I would argue, in that group was either Chris Paul or Freddie Van Vliet. High-usage point guards, they have a shot. LaMelo Ball, also a high-usage point guard. We hadn't seen him fix the free-throw stuff or the percentages, and then he did to some degree, and he got himself to number 21 on a per-game basis. He happened to be quite durable, but I'm not looking at that right this moment. That group... And, and LaMelo, by the way, was actually in the group in front of this one, so that's why he kind of got... So was Freddie Van Vliet. So in that next chunk, the 26 through 40 so far, and then we'll give you guys picks 41 through 50 here in a second, these are guys where, folks, I think we're looking at them going, who are my upside plays in here? Who are these guys that might be able to get me to the top of the mountain? And the problem is... This is where there's less certainty. No one knew what De'Aaron Fox was going to do this, this last season. Nobody really knew what Brandon Ingram was going to do, or Christian Wood, or Ja even. Which is why, as we again mentioned on yesterday's show, guys like Chris Paul and Drew Holiday, specifically in that group, had tremendous appeal because we've seen Chris Paul pretty consistently an early second-round guy per game since he left Houston. Andrew Holiday had been late second-round guy in Milwaukee. There was obviously the finals hangover element to sort of ding Drew a little bit, but there's this proven element in there, and those guys fall. They do. Well, how does that translate into the next chunk of players? Here's 41 through 50. Tobias Harris, Miles Turner, Anthony Edwards, John Collins, Lonzo Ball, Zion, 
Kristaps Porzingis, OG Ananobi, CJ McCollum, and JJJ. Now, I'm not too worried about discussing the future because we know JJJ had a surgery and he probably misses the beginning of the season. Yuck. Lonzo Ball, we've heard he's not even remotely close to recovered. That's not a good thing for the Bulls. Again, this is that's looking towards next year. I want to look at what happened. What actually happened? Tobias Harris was someone who obviously suffered when James Harden came to town. And he simply wasn't able to do as much. It wasn't a complete collapse, but it was a drop-off. And so we're going to have to deal with that as we go forward. But pre-Harden, he was about as consistent as they come. And he's another one of those names that just sort of fell because it wasn't exciting. Miles Turner fell because of injury stuff. Anthony Edwards was take-a-shot kind of guy. And guess what? He was right on the nose, ADP. Picked at 43, per game, 44. John Collins was hurt more than expected, but he was another kind of quiet, falling guy. ADP, 44, per game, 48. Lonzo, there was the injury stuff. Zion, massive injury stuff. And then Porzingis, you've got this, you know, that's, again, you're balancing the upside with the injury things. It's hard for me, and, and the longer I stare at this group, the more I can't quite define what it is. There's, it doesn't really tie into the group above it, because, and you could even say Drew Holiday. Maybe he's the beginning of this, this grouping. Because Drew was a falling guy, Capella was a falling guy, Tobias, Miles Turner, Collins. These guys were all falling guys. And then right after those, or mixed in, you got Anthony Edwards, an upside play. Lonzo was kind of an upside play. Zion, Porzingis, Ananobi. These guys were all upside plays. Even JJJ was kind of a post-type upside play, but he didn't. We can't lump him in because there wasn't the buzz there. So, my inclination then is to keep going. 51 through 60. DeJounte Murray, Jonas Valanciunas, DeMar DeRozan, Tyrese Halliburton, Robert Williams. Holy moly, was that a strong run. The totals values for those guys, by the way, 6, 27, 9, 7, 25. Wow. Huge wins. Just an array of monster wins. It actually led to a stretch of 10 picks uh, on Yahoo where not the absolute value of the miss size, but just the actual average miss size was positive. Like there was, it was more wins than losses in that range, but whatever. Again, that's sort of by luck. Nurkic, Kyrie Irving, Mikel Bridges, Jared Allen, and Draymond Green. That was 51 through 60. How does this relate to 41 through 50? Does it relate to 41 through 50? And my answer there is, yeah, kinda. More than 41 through 50 relates to 31 through 40. Or 31 through 38, if you want to cut it off at Drew Holiday. What I think we've gotten now is a per, almost a perfect blend of fallers and risers. This is where... And it's not no man's land, and it's not hype land, because there weren't that many names that I just listed off in the last 20 picks that I would point at and say, oh, this was a super buzz guy coming into the year. The way that 
say uh, MPJ was a buzz guy and Christian Wood and Jaw, those were buzz guys in the earlier grouping. The buzz guys in this chunk were... Um, maybe Ananobi? I think OG had a lot of buzz around his name. He came up a bunch during preseason podcasts last year when we had, remember we had like 14 or 15 guests in a row. OG's name came up a lot. Anthony Edwards came up a decent amount. But there wasn't the same. OG had more buzz because there was a little bit of kind of like a sleeper appeal to him where everybody's like, oh, well, we've seen OG with more usage guys around him. What is he going to be now when he takes a usage step forward in a way that with Anthony Edwards was like, look, we saw we saw him as a top 40 guy at the end of last year. It already happened. So there wasn't that, I'm going to find this hidden gem. It was, where do I actually take this guy? The rest of the names in there were kind of buzzless. And it's actually part of what made them, a lot of them, really interesting value plays. You know, Tobias was pretty accurate. Miles Turner's injury derailed him. But he and Porzingis both had insane per-game appeal. John Collins, again, injury stuff, but per game, he was right on the money. Lonzo, per game upside, but hurt all the time. McCollum, safe play. JJJ, post-hype guy. DeJounte Murray had a decent amount of buzz, but if he had enough buzz, he would have been going earlier than 51. It's not really fair to call these guys buzz dudes because they simply weren't going early enough to wipe out all their value. A lot of the expert drafts I was in last year, you remember this, OG was going at like 35-36, even though his ADP was 48th. DeJounte Murray, he rarely went earlier than like 45 in drafts, which isn't all that far off from his ADP. And that difference, I believe, that difference between where guys go in expert drafts and their ADP is basically that delta kind of tells you how much hype there is around a dude. Take every expert draft and take the ADP and find out the difference. Like LeBron was the anti-buzz this last year. He was very public, but there was no hype around his name. LeBron was going late second, early third in almost every expert draft that I was a part of. And in almost every public draft, he was going early second. Public beat us on that one. Congrats, you got us, man. We were all too late experts on LeBron. Crushed it. I'll wear that. I was too late on him. No doubt. But then looking at it kind of from the other perspective here, when you look at like an OG Ananobi or, again, he was really the name in that group, or even a DeJounte Murray, you look at what's the difference between ADP and where they went in expert drafts. And for OG, it was a full round, sometimes more. For DeJounte, it was like half a round. And the rest of these guys, all those winners that I mentioned in the middle there, they pretty much went. At that spot, I got Halliburton in a bunch of drafts right at the end of the 4th, early 5th, pretty close to this ADP. Time Lord, right in that range. Valanchunas, maybe a tiny bit. Like, all of them went a tiny bit earlier than their ADP in expert drafts because generally experts liked these guys. Maybe not so much DeRozan. There was a little fear there. He, he looked to be a very safe play, and then he blew it out of the water. But most experts liked DeJounte Murray. Pretty, it was a pretty good consensus on that one. 
think Brew might have had him a little bit earlier than others, but everybody pretty much liked him. I don't think I had him high enough. I liked him, but I didn't put him high enough. Halliburton, I know Brew had him very, very high. Time Lord, you guys know I had him really high. Damar, I didn't have him all that high. I thought he'd be like 50 to 60 range. And then he was 26th. Valanchunas was one I liked. JJJ was one I liked. So it's a weird grouping here um, that, I mean, I think it really does kind of turn out to be random clumping. It's really strange. I mean, that this was uh, JJJ, DeJounte Murray, Jonas Valanciunas, DeMar DeRozan, Tyrese Halliburton, Robert Williams, all those guys. That's six dudes in a row that were drafted between 50, 50 to 55. And by totals, they were all winners by at least two rounds and most of them two and a half, three or more. That's weird. That's not a trend. That's an anomaly. Even if you think something like that happens again in the future, you'd assume it happens sort of sporadically. And plus, once you get to this point, ADP and pre-rank information becomes much more clustered. It's why No Man's Land exists. Because someone who has an ADP of 78.2 versus the next guy who has 78.4, and one of them is ranked 78th and one of them is ranked 79th, they're the same. Plus, what we don't have when we look at a site's ADP or even the pre-ranks is we don't know how it got to that spot. I'm even more so with average draft. It's an average. When you're in the first, second round, even the third round, and you look at ADP, and you look and you see, you know, Steph Curry, he's, he's the third-ranked guy, or his ADP is, you know, 3.4. That's a tight grouping. Because if even like a 1,000 drafts he goes at 11, he would fall down the board quite a bit. That's a tight grouping up at the top. You can't have a big spread because there aren't that many ways, there aren't that many paces you can take going up the board. The earliest Steph could have gotten drafted is one. I mean, that's the case for anybody. But if your ADP is three, that means that basically for every two, there's a four. For every one, there's a five, roughly. For every six, there are a couple of times he gets drafted before three. So that just can't be that wide of a spread in a way that once you now get into the 30s, 40s, 50s, and it escalates each time. ADP data is a little bit silly. It's a ballpark number as you get farther down the board because you can't look at it and say, oh, his ADP is 38.4. Next guy's ADP is 39.1. One dude is always going in front of the other. The spread is way too wide because if the guy who, you know, the guy who has an ADP of 40 if he gets drafted in 30 in one league, that means he has to get drafted at 50 in another. Doesn't mean it has to be that way, but simple calculation there. Or twice he goes at 45 or whatever, it, you know, however you want to work the math out. The spread can be much wider and still land on a number in the 30s and 40s in a way that, again, if someone has an ADP in the first round, that just means they're not getting drafted in the second round. It's just not happening because their ADP would have fallen. But a guy that has an ADP of 45, he might go at 65 sometimes. He might go at 25 sometimes in your league. So that's why we have to use this as a ballpark, and also kind of why it's weird that there was this clump of six guys in a row that ended up with really good numbers. 
the law of averages probably should have had them spread apart by a player or two. But you know what? It happened this way, and it's not mathematically relevant. It's not. What is relevant is that, again, once you got past that zone of players, which, again, maybe we can put the stomp, the, the stamp on it at John Morant, who was picked 37, technically, of guys that people were like, oh, I want my... I want my upside guy. I want to I want to go chase something shiny. You get into this very long, laborious list of players who and, you know, good on DeJounte Murray for having an insane year. Mostly people are thinking at this point, not a target number, but a can they beat their draft slot? That's it. It starts to simplify it starts to actually broaden a little bit at the same time, where, again, when you're drafting someone at 20, you're thinking, can I maybe get first-round value out of this guy? And when you're drafting someone at 25, you might be thinking, hey, can I get second-round value out of this guy? But when you're drafting someone at 40, you're not thinking, can I get third-round value out of this guy? You're thinking, can this guy beat his slot? That's it. It becomes an easier target. The goalpost moves closer. And so now you get this array of, or a mixture of kind of D-bombs type guys and somewhat semi-hype guys and injured upside guys. And everybody's trying to figure out which Plinko chip is going to fall in the right slot. Hey, is Porzingis going to play in, in 61 ball games this year? Because if so, winner, winner. Is uh, Anthony Edwards going to take a step forward at the free throw line? Okay, well, that would get us a little bit farther forward. Is Miles Turner going to... Same exact question as Chris Dobbs. Is he going to play in 60-something games? Is JJJ going to play in 60-something games? What's Zion's deal? Because that impacts Valanchunas. How much usage will DeJounte Murray have last year? Different this year, of course. What do the Kings do with Halliburton? Trade him, apparently. What's DeMar DeRozan going to look like in Chicago? Time Lord, is that his job in Boston? How high can he go? But when you look at these guys, and, you know, again, good show by a lot of them to hit strong marks. And Time Lord, second round per game value. DeJounte Murray, first round value. Porzingis, second round value. This is all per game. So that's great. But when these guys were getting drafted, that wasn't the question. It wasn't, well, with Porzingis, you knew second round per game. That's what he is. It's health. With a lot of these guys, it was, okay, well, how high do we think they have a chance to go? Which then always begs the question of, how do folks balance who they take in these zones? This is why, by the way, looking back, and we'll sort of pause this at Draymond Green because... By the way, things turn pretty clunky after that. There's still some winners in there. Don't worry. It's not all it's not all messy, but it does certainly get messier at at pick 61. This is a big reason what you're hearing us talk about today on on this 41 through 60 zone. A big reason why you want to be able to take a few shots in there. I believe this is where hype land should be. These are the hype guys you can take a shot at because 
they have a bigger window to beat their mark as opposed to 26 to 38 or whatever we settled on before. And it's why I want all of us, again, hammering this thought into our brains. Your first three picks need to be solid. Easier said than done, I know. The, the best retort you could hit me with on that is, Dan, what about Bam Adebayo? And I'd say, I'd throw my arms up in the air and say, damn it, yeah, that's one where it went into the crapper because the guy who wasn't supposed to get hurt got hurt. And it happens. Super healthy guys miss games every once in a while. Super injured guys sometimes play more than you expect. It's a percentages game. Generally, the healthy guys play. Generally, the injury-prone guys don't. And if you look at the whole board... That did bear itself out. Unfortunately, it didn't with Bam, and that screwed me on a couple of teams where I thought I'd just go safe second round, you know, what does he do per game? A little bit back of that, but yeah, whatever. At least I'll get my, you know, 68-plus games out of him. Nope. Whoops. And it's also what made drafting on the turn so damn hard this year because you had all these upside guys that just weren't all that safe. Tough spot. Tough spot. But again, if you have an opportunity to get someone who is historically a healthy player, Cat, I know he missed a little bit of time. The Wolves are kind of in retool mode. And also he had a lot of other stuff going on. Lost, what was it, like a dozen family members? Something horrific. Tatum, healthy. Jokic, healthy. Trey Young, healthy. I know, I should have been higher on him. I still can't believe he was number 11 per game. That's the one that really blows me away. But he is durable. Vooch, pretty durable, even with the fallback. Let's see where everybody lines themselves up this coming season. We'll be able to make a better call on that stuff. But, boy, taking shots early just hamstrings you so much in the middle rounds because then... If you pivot back to this 41 through 60 zone, if you took a shot in the second or you took a shot in the third, you must take the safe name in the fourth or fifth round. You kind of have to. You can't take another shot. You keep taking shots, the whole the wall, the, the bottom's going to fall out. You end up with Lonzo missing half a season and Ingram missing half a season, Porter missing the entire season. You're done. You're cooked at that point. So if you have those shot guys in the second and third, fourth, you got to sort of retool. You need to, and yeah, it might work out. Like taking Drew in the third worked. You know, I, I love that play. But wouldn't it have been nice? I love Tobias Harris too, but wouldn't it have been nice to be able to take a shot on someone who we didn't know how high they might go? Like a Porzingis, what if he stayed healthy? Or Time Lord? What if he stayed healthy? And he kind of did. I mean, he was still banged up a little bit, but it worked. Set yourself up to take some shots in the fourth and fifth rounds because by the sixth round, it's not even taking a shot anymore. It's a redefinition of what you're doing at that point. Because by the sixth round, take whoever the you want. That's not to say you should be going down the board and get, drafting someone that had an ADP of like 120. 
Uh, you should probably still be looking at guys with an ADP between 61 and 100. They just have a better shot of getting there. And truth be told, like 61 through 80, those guys were generally better than 81 through 100. On the whole, quoth Seth Green's character in Austin Powers. Preparation H. They are a little better. So, like, you know, if you have picked 61, yeah, I mean, there are probably some good options between 61 and 80 that are better than the options between 81 and 100. But it doesn't really matter. Because, you know, like Terry Rozier was at 71. Cool. He was much better this year than, say, Buddy Healed. Also in that same range. There's just different kinds of things going on there. But that will be our Friday weekend edition. We'll try to wrap up this breakdown tomorrow and then roll on into Monday where we'll start uh, maybe starting to place some players a little bit. Maybe some news will break. Uh, Rumors of Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks are floating across the internet right now. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's show as well. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Hugs and kisses to all of you who continue to make this the most listened to offseason of all time. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Until tomorrow. 